Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today on the program, Avi Lipkin shares a world prophetic update. But first, James Collins and Stephen Bauer are here to look at the math of Christ. As we begin today, we want to say thank you to everyone who is supporting our Studio 50 project. Your support is helping make a brand new studio with all new equipment and software a reality. Would you please give a gift to the Studio 50 project today? Call 1-800-652-1144. Or you can give on our website, swrc.com. Thank you. Thank you for your support of Studio 50 and Watchmen on the Wall. Staff Evangelist James Collins comes now to explore the math of Christ. The Bible is a book of prophecy. Anyone can make predictions. Having those predictions come to pass is very different. In fact, the more statements made about the future and the more detail, then the less likely the precise fulfillment will be. For example, What's the likelihood of a person predicting today the exact city in which the birth of a future leader would take place well into the 22nd century? Well, that's exactly what the prophet Micah did 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. Or, what is the likelihood of predicting the manner of death that a new unknown religious leader would experience a thousand years from now? A manner of death that is currently unknown and a manner of death that would remain unknown for hundreds of years. Well, that's exactly what David did in 1000 B.C. Or what is the likelihood of predicting the specific date of the appearance of some great future leader hundreds of years in advance? Well, that is exactly what Daniel the prophet did 530 years before Christ was born. What are the odds? I'm excited to be joined today by Colonel Stephen Bauer, who has written a wonderful little book titled The Math of Christ, The Science of Math Reveals Bible Truths. And I believe after you hear about this book, you'll want to get your own copy. Welcome, Colonel Bauer. Thanks for sitting in with me today on The Watchman on the Wall. Thank you. Would you share some of your military history? I was in ROTC at Texas A&M. And I was in the Army ROTC when I graduated from A&M. I had a commission as a second lieutenant. So 1965, President Johnson was sending a lot of troops to Vietnam. And I wound up in the 1st Infantry Division in Vietnam. And I thought that when I survived that and came back and then went to the demilitarized zone of South Korea, I thought I would stay in the Army and make it a career. So in my 28 years in the service, I rose from second lieutenant to full colonel. During that time, I had the great privilege of serving five different presidents in the White House as a military social aide and then as a military aide for the last two. And it was just a lucky opportunity for me to be in the right place at the right time to get selected for such an august assignment. I really enjoyed it tremendously. Met a lot of people, quite a few Christians, a lot of people who weren't. And I just knew that there were a lot of people out there that are just too smart to believe in Christianity. Well, your book, The Math of Christ, is a really great witnessing tool. Now, you're very passionate about sharing Jesus with others, aren't you? Well, I think people 
If they're not Christians already, as they get older, they tend to realize that at some point you're going to leave this earth and what's going to happen. And you ought to think about Christ for the simple reason that you might leave the earth today. You just don't know that. So you better be ready. And the way to be ready is to know that you can spend eternity with God. Amen. That is so true. Well, when people hear the title of your book, The Math of Christ, they often think the book is about math, but it's really not, is it? It's really about the truth of God's Word. You put God's truth to the test in the form of calculating the odds. You went through the Bible and you picked 40 prophecies about Jesus Christ that had been fulfilled. Then you discussed the odds that those prophecies were fulfilled by accident. Well, everybody has probably heard the stories of Jesus Christ's life, the stories of Bethlehem and, and the three wise men, supposedly three. You heard that from an early age. What a lot of people don't realize is that there are specific prophecies in the Old Testament that say those things are going to happen. And so I went through and I wondered to myself, particularly for my very smart friends that are too smart to accept Christianity based purely on faith, why not look at the odds that those things happened by accident. Each one individually could have been an accident. The prophecy could have been a lucky guess. But to say that all 40 of those events happened by accident is a bit of a stretch, to say the very least, and that's what I point out in the book. You have to have mathematical odds, and I explain each prophecy individually, and say what I think very conservative odds are that it happened by accident. And then at the end, you have to multiply the odds of one happening times the second one times the third one all the way through the 40th prophecy to find out what the odds are that all 40 of them happened by accident. So you took those 40 prophecies and multiplied the odds of each event happening times the other events. What were the odds of 40 Old Testament prophecies being fulfilled in the life of Jesus Christ? A one with 136 zeros behind it. That may sound like a very large number, and it is far larger than what everybody has realized. For example, everybody's talking about the lottery lately. The chance of this ticket being worth winning the lottery are one in about 200 million. How many zeros are in 200 million? It's only got eight zeros, but everybody knows that if you buy a ticket, the odds are just too long with only eight zeros. Let's say, for example, in putting the Bible in the context of your own life. What if your great-great-great-grandfather had said you would be born, you would be given the name you were given, you would win that lottery, and you'd be struck by lightning? The odds are so long of something like that happening, but really it's only got, if you use the math using the National Science Foundation would tell you what your odds are of being struck by lightning, if you take all the zeros and add it together, it's only got 13 or 14 zeros behind it. That is so long. It is so much greater than the odds of winning the lottery that you wouldn't even think for a second that that could happen. The odds of these 40 prophecies coming to pass by accident are one with 136 zeros behind it. A number so long you couldn't even begin to try and write it. So you are saying that it is virtually impossible for these things to happen by chance, correct? One of the things I point out in the book, a pinhead can have five million atoms on it. The human body has 
enough atoms in it that if you wrote the number out, it would have 21 zeros. The Earth that we live on only has enough atoms to have 50 zeros behind it. The entire known universe that we see with the Hubble telescope, the stars, the moons, the asteroids, everything out there, every atom in the known universe, one times 81 zeros. Now, what's the context of examining these prophecies with all these zeros behind it? Well, the father of mathematical probability, Emile Borel, a Frenchman who died in 1956, formulated the law of mathematical probability, and it says any event that has 50 zeros behind it could not happen by accident. He is a mathematician, a scientist, and he said that no matter how many times you tried it, it would never happen by accident. The odds of these 40 events happening by accident to Christ one with 136 zeros behind it. One with 136 zeros behind it. That's amazing. That's mind-boggling. Mathematically, there's no doubt that Jesus Christ fulfilled these 40 Old Testament prophecies. Now, you said this book was written for people who are too smart to believe. What did you mean by that? Any smart person, any person that's too smart to accept Christ based on faith, would read this book and draw their own conclusion that it couldn't be an accident. Every child who's in school faced with science and the theories of science that are thrown out as laws today in all the public schools could look at this and say, I don't know if I want to buy that science, but I can buy the science and the math that's in the math of Christ. To help me and our listeners better understand, would you pick an example and show us how you came up with your numbers? Genesis 49.10. The Messiah would come from the tribe of Judah. Most Christians know that the Bible talks about 12 tribes of Israel. There are actually 14, you know that. They use different names, so there's a total of 14. I said the odds are one chance in 10. I want to be conservative, and one chance in 14 just confuses things. That's only one zero. Another example, Micah 5.2. The Messiah would be born in the village called Bethlehem. I examined the population of the earth. About the time of Christ's birth was, most historians say, about 300 million people. An agricultural, agrarian society. Most people lived on farms or in very small villages. There were very, very few cities in the world. If you've got 300 million people saying that there's an average of a million small towns around, could it have been an accident that they said that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Well, about one chance in a million. With 250, 300, 350 people in each village, 300 million people, that's simple math. Well, that's what we're talking about. It's only really got to seven zeros, and we've just talked about two of them. Another example, Hosea 11.1. The Son of God would be called out of Egypt in the early days of the nation of Israel. Well, first he had to go into Egypt. And he had to have a reason for that. That's not even part of the calculation. Just the fact that he was already there and he would be there and then be called out of Egypt. What's the odds? I say it's just one chance in a million. Truthfully, you might think that the odds are greater. And in every one of the examples, the 40 examples I use in the Bible, you might think that you really want more zeros. You might think that the odds aren't as long as I think they are. You might want to have less zeros. My odds, my conservative approach to assigning odds to all of these events comes up to 136 zeros. Wow, that's amazing. If you're just tuning in, I'm speaking with Colonel Stephen Bauer about his book, The Math of Christ. 
It's not a math book, but it is a book that mathematically proves Jesus Christ fulfilled the prophecies found in the Old Testament about the coming Messiah. And this book is a wonderful witnessing tool, and you can get a copy now by calling 1-800-652-1144. You can also order a copy online at swrc.com. Colonel Bauer, I mentioned that this book is a wonderful witnessing tool. What would you say to those who claim that Christ did not actually fulfill all these prophecies? Instead, they say that it was somehow faked or that Jesus went out of his way to somehow fulfill the prophecies. Well, the accounts that show that Christ actually fulfilled these prophecies are eyewitness accounts. They are accounts written by people who actually saw them there. Now, critics might say that Christ went out of his way to fulfill some of those prophecies. That is kind of a shaky argument because Christ didn't decide to be born in Bethlehem. Christ didn't decide to be part of the tribe of Judah. He didn't decide at two years old that he was going to go to Egypt and then leave there. I mean, there are so many things in these prophecies that you can't argue that Christ contrived this. And when you consider that they may have been lucky guesses on the part of people who wrote 500, 700 centuries, years before Christ's time, that in fact, they wouldn't really know that unless there was an all-seeing God who knew what the future was going to be and used the Bible to write the prophecy in the history. And then when it came true, then it would simply authenticate. And that's the whole point of prophecy is to authenticate the word of the Bible so that we can see that everything that's written in there is true because so much of it has already come true. Isn't it true that the Judeo-Christian faith is the only faith that claims prophecies and the fulfillment of prophecies? All the others don't have such prophecies, right? And that's pretty startling when you realize that there are so many billions of people living in this world living under a religious dogma that has no way to authenticate itself. Whereas Judaism, Christianity, authenticated itself simply because God told those authors what to write. We have proven that many of them have come true, so why not consider the rest of the prophecies about the end time and the things that will come that haven't yet? If the others are true, why aren't those true too? The whole world needs to understand that it's the only religion that really describes the future. Colonel Bauer, like you, I had a career in the Army. I served overseas, like you, and most of my time overseas was spent in Islamic countries. You, on the other hand, spend most of your time in countries that were predominantly Buddhist, such as Vietnam. Isn't the concept of Bible prophecy foreign to those cultures? Well, they tell you how to live over there. Buddhism, Hinduism, it'll tell you how to have a great life on this earth. But it really doesn't tell you how to get into heaven because heaven to them is a Christian concept. It's something that they don't necessarily accept. I've had a lot of Buddhists tell me they acknowledge the fact that Buddha was born into a world. And I simply ask them as politely as I can, why not consider that somebody created that world that's obviously much greater than Buddha? And why not think about that entity and find out more about him. Why not find out more about Christianity? And they all accept that. That's a good starting point for somebody who is not a Christian to consider that there is somebody out there that did create the world. In the math of Christ, you use 40 prophecies to prove the truth of the Bible that Christ is the Messiah. 
but you say you could have used more, right? In the book, I list 16 prophecies besides the 40 that I actually calculated odds on. I list 16 other prophecies, and I'll let the reader decide whether it's one chance in 10 or 100 or a million or whatever, and they can add zeros to the 136. If they don't like the calculation that I made, what I thought were very conservative, they can take zeros away from 136. But remember, the father of mathematical probability said, if you've got 50 zeros, it can't be an accident. It has to be by design. There has to have been somebody, somehow, somewhere, that made sure that that outcome came out the way you said it would be. It wouldn't happen by coincidence. You also write in The Math of Christ that the Bible is a book of science. Isn't it also true that science helps confirm your argument? Aside from the obvious fact that the odds are so long that Christ is the Messiah, that's not by accident, but by design of God the Father, I was somewhat surprised by the amount of science that is actually specified in the Bible. The Bible talks in certain places about the earth being round, and I describe in the book how it says that. It talks about uh, crop rotation. There's discussion in the Bible about circumcision, where in Genesis, the Jewish people were told to circumcise their children on the eighth day. Well, it was only recently that science discovered that there is a chemical in the body called prothrombin that is produced in newborn babies, and it's at its height, uncoincidentally, the eighth day. I mean, there's just, there's a whole section in here about science like that that I think that kids would find really interesting, particularly kids in school, about how the earth was designed for man, what's known as the anthropic principle, and that it wasn't just an accident, it was actually designed that way. Colonel Bauer, we started out this segment by talking about the odds of winning the lottery, but you say that there is another lottery that people should be worried about. What do you mean by that? There's one last lottery in life everybody ought to think about. One chance in two, and I'll take those odds. You can believe in Christ or not, and you'll either spend eternity in heaven with God or you won't. Well, it's my prayer that everyone listening today chooses Jesus Christ. The book is called The Math of Christ. The author is Stephen Bauer. Let me close this segment today with an illustration. Back in 1969, a mathematician named Dr. Peter Stoner calculated the probability that any one man could fulfill just eight of the Old Testament prophecies to be one chance in ten to the 17th power, meaning a one with 17 zeros after it. To illustrate how unlikely a chance that would be, Dr. Stoner gave this illustration. He said cover the entire state of Texas with silver dollars to a level about two feet deep. The total number of silver dollars needed would be 10 to the 17th power. Now choose just one silver dollar, mark it, and put it back in the state of Texas covered with silver dollars. Then thoroughly stir all of those silver dollars all over the state. Then blindfold someone and tell them they can travel wherever they want to in Texas, but along the way they must pick up one of the silver dollars. The chance of finding that one silver dollar that was marked in a pile two feet deep covering the state of Texas would be the chance the prophets had for these eight prophecies coming true in any one man in the future. But here in the book, The Math of Christ, Colonel Bauer looks at 40 prophecies, not eight. There are 300 Old Testament prophecies 
that were fulfilled in the life of Jesus Christ. God predicted in minute detail events from the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, and God has predicted in minute detail events about when Jesus Christ will return for his church. Jesus is coming again. You can count on it. Are you ready? Today in the Resource Center, we are featuring two excellent items, the books The Math of Christ by Stephen Bauer and the 20th anniversary edition of Noah Hutchings' classic, God, the Master Mathematician. Get both books today for a gift of $25 or more when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can always order online, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Avi Lipkin comes now to share with us the latest insight and analysis of what is happening on the world stage in light of Bible prophecy. Our dear friend Avi Lipkin is with us. He has been on our show since 1995. He's been in conferences, written several books, He is the head of the Bible Block Party in Israel. He's an American and Israeli. He's an author and an insider. So, Avi, thank you so much. Great to be here. Well, what's going on in Ukraine? And I know there are a lot of Jews in Ukraine have been fleeing. I think they bombed a Holocaust memorial. From what I hear, it's terrible. A thousand years ago, there was no difference between Ukrainians and Russians, and eventually they kind of split, and they've had a very, very checkered history with the Russians, a very violent history. The Jews also suffered very much from the Ukrainians and from the Russians also, from the Polish also. These are all Slavic nations, and just as Latin is the language of France and Spain, Portugal, Italy, Romania, so Slavonic is the language of the Ukrainians, of the Russians, of the Poles, of the Czechs, and these languages developed into different directions over the last hundreds of years. So what has basically happened is that the Ukrainians broke away from Russia uh, in 1994, And they decided they wanted to go in the direction of freedom, independence, European-type democracy. This is something which is anathema to the Russians. The Russians, under the czars and, of course, under communism, were very tough on the Ukrainians. So the Russians want the Ukraine to come back and to be part of the Soviet Union. And we have a saying in Israel, you can attract more people with honey and not with vinegar. But it seems like the Russians are experts in vinegar, and they've been blasting the heck out of the Ukrainians. Kind of like what happened in Chechnya and in Ossetia and South Georgia in the Caucasus. So the Russians in Syria, the Russians helped Bashar al-Assad stay in power. But the fact is, out of a population of 20 million people, 5 million people had to flee because of the Russians, because they were bombing and using poison gas and other things also, half a million Syrians died in that civil war. I talk about this in my seventh book, which you carry, which is Islamic rivalry. And five years ago, I also discussed the situation in Russia and Ukraine and Poland, because these three countries are constantly bouncing off of each other. So it's very, very important to understand the history of Russia and Ukraine. There was a German philosopher 200 years ago, Heinrich Heine, 
And he said 200 years ago, the world is going to have to choose between the despotism and tyranny of the Russians as opposed to the foolishness of the Americans. And when I'm in churches, I explain to them that the foolishness of the Lord is greater than the wisdom of man. So that if Americans are foolish, but they're foolish in the Lord, America will always be world power number one. Take the Lord out, and then America is just foolish. So true. Do you think Mr. Putin is really worried about NATO? Is that his motivation? He wants a buffer there and doesn't want Ukraine to go with NATO and doesn't like Zelensky because he's kind of leaning toward the West? I've heard that it may be that Putin is suffering from thyroid cancer. Yes. His time is short. And he wants to leave a legacy of having returned Ukraine into the former Soviet Union and reconstituting the Russian Empire with the Ukrainians as part of it. But the Ukrainians will have no part of this. Do you think this is something of world significance? I'm thinking, for example, I can't imagine Russia losing to a little army. And the big worry is chemical weapons, maybe nuclear weapons. I understand that it was kind of kept secret, but in March, we actually successfully fired a hypersonic missile like China has and like Russia has. So we're ready for them, but we don't want to fight. But who wants a nuclear war? Do you think Putin will go that far? I think that Putin understands that America doesn't want a nuclear war, that America does not want its boys and girls to be sent into a war in the Ukraine. Unfortunately, this is on the backs of the Ukrainian patriots. And I support the Ukrainian patriots because even though I used to hate Germans, I realized Germans are good people, but Nazis are not. And Ukrainians are good people. But what happened was the murdering of the Jews over the last 500 years in the Ukraine was something really horrible. But today, the Ukrainians, like the Germans, seek democracy. And this is something that should be promoted. It should be blessed. And I think that this is something that scares Putin more than anything else, that the seeds of democracy are being planted now because of the internet. The Russian people want to live a good life. Putin himself knows America's weakness in the sense that America doesn't want to be going to war. I remember before the Russian invasion of Ukraine, America was constantly saying, Russia, China, Russia, China. And now China is the real enemy because the enemy is economic. The Russians don't have an economy and the Russian population is shrinking. Russia is a dying country. And I did a YouTube seven years ago, and I was talking about 150 million Russians. Today, it's 140 million. They're losing hundreds of thousands of people every year because the young people leave the country if they can. And like I said before, where do they go? They go to America. Tell us about your seventh book. Islamic Rivalry discusses the war between the Sunnis and the Shiites of 1,400 years, and that the Russians and the Chinese back the Shiites, and that America and the West backs the Sunnis. And Islam is a very, very deep part of everything that's going on now in this war. And by the way, a lot of the Syrian Sunnis, the Muslims, who fled because of the Russian bombardments, they went to the Ukraine, and now they're in the Ukrainian army fighting the Russians again. Well, that's Avi Lipkin. We're going to have him back one more time to bring some up-to-date news about Ukraine and about the rest of the world. Today in the Resource Center, we are featuring two excellent items. The books, The Math of Christ by Stephen Bauer and the 20th anniversary edition of Noah Hutchings' classic, God, the Master Mathematician. Order both books today for a gift of $25 or more when you call 1-800-652-1144. 
That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Please remember, when you purchase a book or DVD, you are supporting Watchmen on the Wall. Thank you. Tomorrow, we open the radio vault for a special program featuring former host Noah Hutchings. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by subscribing to our daily Watchmen on the Wall podcast. Watchmen on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners just like you. Visit swrc.com. That's swrc.com.